Welcome to another episode of This Catholic Life, conversations about life's ups and downs, big and small, how we deal with every situation imaginable, whatever life throws at us, but still manage to be sensible, practical, and joyful. Today's show is about TV shows that should be made, a conversation about those shows we think should be made, as opposed to the silly reality shows that actually get made. Now, I've already started the fight, I can tell, but (laughs) whether we need to perhaps have a Hollywood producer listen to the show to get some ideas about which TV shows should take off. I'm your host, Peter Holmes, and today I'm joined by Ryan Galliott, our resident geek and expert in this area. (laughs) Welcome, Ryan. Hello. And by Ben and Beth, who are both employees here at the Archdiocese and therefore uh, in the age group of cultural experts in this, because I think the consumers of television, by the way, uh, I think what is it? The Brox, the average age is about thirty-seven or something of yeah, people. Yeah, so mid thirties, somewhere there. Yeah, playing computer games and a bit slightly older I think for it was like TV. 34. Yeah. Before we get started, a reminder: if you like the show, you should subscribe on your podcast app. Okay, so if we're talking about TV shows that should be made, we probably need to have an honourable mention for those shows which um, have been made but then discontinued. And mm. I think Beth, you had one just before we came on air. What was it? Oh, absolutely. It was uh, Firefly. Got discontinued years yes. ago. Always a classic. One season and absolutely the worst decision any you know publication company is, a production company has ever made is to take that off air. Sometimes has- I still have nightmares about it. <laughs> do you think they're looking at the success <laughs> of Josh Whedon just going, oh, oh. man, what do we do? <laughs> oh, it's just honestly... I mean, it's just ludicrous, and the and the movie attempt to wrap it up was a good attempt, but it just wasn't the same. Well, so, yeah. Cerrone was um, that was crowdfunded, wasn't it, or partially? Or uh, from what I understand, they had enough fans writing to the studio. The studio just right, said, "Here's a blank check. Write the movie, <laughs> get it done, and finished." <laughs> yeah, yeah. Are there any others like that before we go into ones that should be made? Are there any others that have stopped and should be continued? You know, I still want my movie from Community. We're always promised, oh, what yeah, was it, six, six seasons, seasons in a movie, movie. Yeah. and I'm still slightly angry that they uh, they never delivered on that. I, I'm angry that Community went downhill as fast as oh, it did. Oh, that's true. Yeah. That's <laughs> so true. I don't think it deserved a movie by the end. <laughs> yeah, I think it finished on the right note. Just, it yeah. ended when it needed to. It should have ended, should have ended much two sooner. Seasons <laughs> oh, no, that's true. That's true. Is that a function of, of the way Hollywood works in terms of the money in that they, they keep something going until it's no longer getting interest like so in other words it almost inevitably means a a series flattens out well i don't know i think there was a big upset with the marvel netflix series um daredevil in particular and um, a lot of people were watching that there was a lot of fans and when they cancelled that there was a big outcry um yep so i don't think it was a flattening out of that one no, I, I agree with that one. Yeah. To bring it back to community just quickly, wasn't the, there was an issue with writers. And I think when you have a falling out with the mind behind the show um, and you think you, that money can just buy you the replacement, it never works. Well, this is it. He, he wrote the cast, the, the, each character to be uh, elements of his own psyche. Mm-hmm. And they decided in what, season three or four to fire him. Yeah. Um, good idea. Um, they did bring him back, and it just wasn't the same after that. It, it's not, it loses something, and then yeah. he's, he's trying to make up for all their all the terrible storylines yeah. and, and things that they've done in the meantime. Darkest time. And there's only to- so many times you can have a paintball story um, before it's people stop watching. Yes. Um, Let's not get into the Star Wars yeah, problem the, with the last three. Yeah. I, that was going to be my next point of call. Mandalorian. But it is interesting to see with the Star Wars stories. They've not messed that up. It's interesting to see that they get some so right 
and some just so yes. wrong. There doesn't seem to be a middle ground yeah. with the with the Star Wars yeah. at the moment. Like Rogue One, I thought was great, and then a solo s- story was a bit mm. bit of yeah. a disappointment. <laughs> and then, yeah. But same with the, the Mandalorian, seems to be good, and. The newer movies. And you're you're crossing your fingers the whole time saying, please don't stuff it up. Please don't stuff it up. (laughs) I have to say, I really enjoy the Expanse series. Now, it's one of the few exceptions to the rule where I read a series and then see it in a TV series. Um, So, for instance, and this is probably going to get me in trouble, but I hate Game of Thrones as the series. I read all of the books and they're a little bit gruesome and I'm on on the borderline for whether I should be reading them. But... Once it went to TV, I just couldn't watch it, just could not. And lots of people love the TV but couldn't read the books. But The Expanse is a magnificent book series and they've done a reasonably good job of putting it into TV. That's one of the rare exceptions, I think, to the to the rule. But some people tell me that shows like Breaking Bad are very good and that they finished on the right note. Um, others tell me that shows like Lost just absolutely fizzed out at the end and there's all kinds of things like that. Let's talk about the books that we know or stories that we know or concepts that we know that perhaps should be made into a, a TV series. Look, I'm I'm a huge uh, Halo fan and there's been talk on and off for years now about a movie. First it was right. uh, Neil Blomkamp and then there was Steven Spielberg, I think, attached to it. Um, I'm, I'm really waiting for a TV series that they hopefully can do justice to the material that uh, right i think that's that's the problem with with something like halo your audience is so big and the connection so strong Mm. that there's always going to be a huge chunk of people going this is rubbish that's not no matter how yeah no matter how good (laughs) they they got it um some people will absolutely love it and others will go this is because everyone's feeling towards it everyone's connection Mm. with it is different yeah that's right Mm. Um, but there are big strides to it. There's always a conversation of you can't have Master Chief as a main character because you, you can't see his expressions. And yet you have the Mandalorian uh, disproving that totally. So Yes, yes. Yeah. Although they're very clever in the way they, they do the camera work in that one. Oh, definitely. <laughs> that was the same with um, Carl Urban as Judge Dredd. Judge Dredd. And he, he was covered law. from the, the nose up was covered, <laughs> but his, the way he was able to... In a sort of Batman way, control his, his mouth when he speaks and his body That's language. Right. He can do a really good job. Yeah. yeah. Cool. So what about other series? I mean, I, I've read lots of book series that I wish were made into movies. Um, I'm a bit of a sci-fi geek, and there's a, there's a whole whole series of uh, the Honor, Har- Honor Harrington. Honor Harrington is probably the way to pronounce it in English. Series is a magnificent space opera, space navy kind of, you know, series. that could be made into quite an epic thing, but... Mm-hmm. Um, the, just the scope of it is is too big, I think, for the the average studio. What have you got for us, Beth? Um, to be honest, so my favourite genre of novels is a, a like probably nineteenth century Russian fiction. It's extreme, very extreme, and I think uh, that apart from Tolstoy, a lot of Russian writers don't see the light of day on screen, uh, and I think that's I think that's quite a disaster because there's some pretty intense. Uh, Storylines yeah, going but on there. How would you make so, a Dostoevsky into into a TV yeah. show? That would that would be a very very long and bleak series. Oh, I know, but look, it would be like you turn that into a, a kind of crime thriller. Can you imagine Crime and Punishment <laughs> as a, as a mini series? I think it would be it would be a psychological thriller. It would be absolutely captivating. Um, yeah, I think a lot. My of wife does love Poldark and series like that. And um, what's the one? Lark Rise to Candleford. That's pretty bleak and depressing, but they seem to really love that. 
So, I don't know. I there's a kind work. of beauty in the in the somber and depressing. Bleak and depressing area. kind of works though, because it makes us feel a little bit better about our own lives. Oh, you leave <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, well, at least I'm not that bad. What about real life events? I mean, I know they've they've made TV shows out of things like I think it was the. Um, the underworld ones from Australia's, um, mm. you know, gangland sort of uh, dramatised gangland history, um, which was basically rubbish. But um, well, it, it had the same problem. It started out reasonably interesting. Uh, season one and season two were, were quite good. And then it just turns out that Australian crime isn't as interesting as we might it's like it to exciting. be. <laughs> <laughs> we, we quickly ran out of, of cool stories. Um, so maybe wrap it up around. For a nation of convicts, it really fell short. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm surprised they didn't do a, an underbelly 1770 or something, and it's the, all the people who came to Australia, <laughs> sort of why they got sent here. So. Yeah, well, the trouble is it'd be for stealing a loaf of bread, which isn't as exciting, you'd have to say. You, with the right music uh, and, and camera <laughs> angles, I'm sure we could make it very interesting. <laughs> what about this idea? Is there a rumour, Ryan, you were telling me this, I think, that they were trying to make a, a Lord of the Rings spin-off TV series. Yes, I, I was going to bring that up. I know they're actually still doing it, but um, because it's still not out there, I'm going to pretend it hasn't been made or isn't being made and put that forward right. as a suggestion. Absolutely um, Because it's it's not during the time of Lord of the Rings. It's it's in between The Hobbit and The Lord of the Rings. At least that's one of the rumours. The other rumour is it's second age. So there's... I'm there's, really yeah. nervous about, about that. Um, I think we saw with The Hobbit when you go away from um, Tolkien's own words... It falls apart pretty quickly. Um, so. and you also don't rely on human talent and just move to CGI and you know, how well, fancy you can get with graphics. It's just, yeah, it no was one. quite interesting how yeah. Legolas went from in The Hobbit being this amazing acrobat sort of Jedi jumping guy to just sort of standard jumps back in the in the original trilogy. <laughs> you can basically I mean, he fly. rode that yeah. down the stairs. <laughs> or the, the, um, the river scene where he's... He's yeah. jumping from dwarf <laughs> oh to dwarf. And, uh, he takes off his, his mask. He's really uh, Yoda from yeah. the prequel trilogies. <laughs> That'd be the ultimate crossover, yes. but not the one any of us wanted. <laughs> Until no, Disney buys no, it, I'm and not. then it will happen. Um, <laughs> but I mean, what's Iron Man doing there? <laughs> there's something that's raised by a lot of my friends is they, they dislike the, the fact that now many of the fandoms require you to dip your toes into different mediums. So a TV show is no longer just a TV show. You have to read the comic book series, uh, read the novel, and maybe watch the movie, and they all go together and play the video game if you can. Which, yeah, I think Marvel got right in that the yeah. movies didn't require any previous knowledge. There was a lot there for the people who were already fans and who had grown up on the comic mm. books and everything, but they didn't need you to know anything about that. But then they went and did the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and they tried to include that. Well, and if you weren't up to date with, yeah. with the movies, well, you were was, lost. <laughs> they, they never confirmed that those two were connected, which is always good on their part. Um, but also the fact that while there were different directors for the Marvel movies, um, they were all working under one storyline um, that is unified, which many other, I guess, universe cinematic universes failed to do. Are we just going to go straight ahead and name DC or are we just going to imply that? Well, you know, <laughs> DC, there's also the dark universe that was supposed to be like all those monsters, mm. um, well, all these different cinema. I, yeah, I think you're right. The Marvel series, the, the, the whole universe, had that their story was planned at least as far as the next Avengers movie, knowing that eventually Thanos was going to come. Um, it doesn't feel like DC have done that. 
at all. They tried to rush everything. Yeah, they just wanted to catch up. And, and there was that in the, the Justice League, there was that one throwaway line about Darkseid coming or something, and it just sort of didn't didn't work. So, Ryan, are you then advocating for um, Battle Pope to make a comeback? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, please, no. <laughs> so That's, we, a, that's something that I never expected now. to come back. <laughs> we're talking about current series. What about, I mean, we still haven't really come up with a new, the new greatest idea for the, for the director to, to take up. Yeah, I don't I mean, think any of us are going to get a job in Hollywood anytime soon <laughs> pitching story ideas. Um, I mean, there, there could be, I mean, there's lots and lots of sort of high school and, you know, college kind of shows in the States. Um, frankly, living on campus uh, it would, is much more interesting than those shows, but I don't know that it would make a good TV show. What, it, what There's a really interesting one on SBS that I watched once, which was basically just these this group of people who had an hour, a couple of hour commute every day. They got on the same train from a particular country thing couple of hours into the city to their jobs and the whole show is just their commute like just them going back and forth and i thought imagine coming home from work and then sitting down to watch other people going to work (laughs) as someone with a long commute i can't imagine you can make a show about anything one of the things that um i remember there was a play made called the club when i was in high school and it was based on the collingwood football club and i i think that maybe a, a a TV show, even a mini series about a particular stage in a football club's life or something like that might be interesting well, we for know, someone like me who's We know a documentaries about sport teams do well. There's a couple of good ones um, on, on Netflix. There's Sunderland Till I Die, which sort of um, follows them along a season, which just happened to be one of the worst in the club's history. Um, right. And, and watching them come back. And it did phenomenally well, particularly with football fans. But but people want to see that. They want to see the behind the scenes on those sorts of things. And um, the Michael Jordan uh, series recently, yes, the, you know, the same caused the controversy and interesting yep. sort of got things sparked up. Um, and I think if you made that into a, a not fiction, but a, a story-driven um, show rather than yeah. a documentary, um, they can be yeah. very, very interesting. And they do have a lot of lessons that apply outside of sport. There's a, I was just thinking that there's a – John Anderson has a podcast, the former Deputy Prime Minister – has a podcast where he interviews people who are interesting. As opposed to <laughs> your show? Or- As opposed to well, your I mean, show. <laughs> what are you saying, You're Pete? very interesting. But, but, but when John Anderson is, is uh, interviewing ladies from the House of Lords in England, um, he's got slightly longer reach, perhaps. <laughs> um, and when, he's te- when that woman was telling a story, for example, about her flying in a light plane into an area of Africa in order to rescue slaves, um, you know, from their captors. Yeah, th- that's just a level of um, interesting storyline that you, I think you could do miniseries like that. You could not necessarily re-dramatise it, but you could hear them tell the story and, I think and the that world would be of, amazing. Yeah, the world of true stories is incredible and there's, there's so much there. Mm. I think we just, we, I think Hollywood goes for the wrong ones because they know that it will make money. Um, they don't really care what it contributes or anything. It will make money. Even in print, something like uh, the Humans of New York project, Mm. huge in America. Like, people just love authentic stories of the people that just live down their street who have lives that they just, you know, they're so unsuspecting. Um, And a little bit quirky. A little bit quirky, (laughs) yeah, just just wild. Um, Yeah, people just get behind the crazy character that they're just not expecting to have the sort of amazing life story. They get behind that. I think there's Mm. all these stories about, you know, and these desires of watching to see other people live their lives, um, and the desire to see those stories 
is something that's actually quite ancient. I mean, if you look at even the ancient Greeks and how they saw the gods, and you know, so many stories of. Oh, was it? I saw a meme the other day saying, um, "Ancient geek, uh, Greek, geek, ancient Greek <laughs> mythology summed up is Zeus couldn't keep it in his pants." Um, <laughs> And I think I think there's something to it, and I think many of the stories. I mean, I was just reflecting earlier when we were talking about it. Isn't Lord of the Rings just sort of like a, hey, this is let's tune into what the hobbits are doing at the moment? <laughs> it is a bit, and it's yeah. also that sort of um, the unsuspecting um, little guy down the street who's yeah. a, is yeah. sort of a bit odd. He goes off and does this incredible thing, and you yeah, sort of like. That's right. And even in the book, that when he comes back and the other hobbits, are like, no, he didn't. Like there's yeah. that sort of that disbelief <laughs> that someone so normal in that world could do something so extraordinary. Yeah. And I think like, bringing it back to, I guess, the topic of the episode, that I think that's what we really want to see is is, is stories that I guess tell us about us. But it's twisted now. I think the media wants it so that they're stories that actually show us. Um, and and so it's not so much about you mean like reality conditions. shows. Well, no, about hey, I'm not represented in that movie. I need representation now. Mm. And so it's not oh, so much about the okay. human condition anymore. It's about I want to see myself up there. It's very individualistic. Um, yeah. 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 What's interesting? You, I don't know if you've seen Erin Brockovich. I didn't like mm. the movie portrayal very much, but the actual story is amazing. Um, of her, the true story of her taking on uh, the large company that screwed over the local area. Mm. And she she's still got stories pumping out. I don't know if you saw, but she had a, a recently had another major legal sort of coup win. And I'm thinking, there's another movie right there if they want to. But the thing is, is that um, so many uh, stories don't get up because they're seen as political one way or the other. Where I don't know, I, uh, there is a fair amount of virtue signalling going on in various TV shows. But I don't know. I don't know if that's a bad thing. I just think it should go both ways. Uh, as in, I think it should be, you should be able to assert your signal all sorts of ways. It's just you can't get away with some types at the moment. I agree. And I think that needs to be, I mean, there was controversy a while back with Chris Pratt because he may or may not have been a Republican. Um, and so we have to cancel him. Yeah. It, it's, it's ridiculous. Um, like I'm all, I'm happy to hear the most twisted stories of things I disagree with as long as I can see the other side, as long as I, there is conservative story. And I mean, you know, they've got those like the Hallmark movies and things that are just horribly made and nobody oh, wants dang. to watch. Um, <laughs> sorry, I've just, I've, I've stumbled into, I didn't realise that was going to be the controversial topic. Sorry, but Amish <laughs> romance is definitely a genre <laughs> worth getting behind. Amish romance, <laughs> oh my can, God. If, if Amish romance could be given the same budget um, as some of these other stories are given. Then we could really be onto something, but they're they're not, and it's, it's a shame. But I don't think they will be for a while. I personally <laughs> wouldn't watch Amish love stories, but if I mean Beth, you do you. Uh, um, like it flights my boat. I'll be with it. <laughs> well, the thing is, is that if it sells, they will do it. Um, but the trouble is, is that they're selling not just to individual watchers. They're they're selling to studios and. and you have to get the thing distributed in order to sell it. So there are some movies, even though they would, like Mel Gibson has trouble selling concepts sometimes just because he's Mel Gibson and he's managed to annoy everyone <laughs> in the world at some stage. That's, that's the, the other thing. I mean, now you have to get actors on board and actors are right. so a particular way. Um, we know Hollywood is overwhelmingly sort of left-wing politically. Really? Um, yep. I don't know if you've heard that. I'm sorry, I'm breaking news here. Um, <laughs> 
another thing for you is that water is wet. What? Um, <laughs> but you now have to, like it used to be going back a while, the studio made the decision and they had their actors on on the payroll and they put them in the movie. Now you have to win over the actors mm. and so many actors are now producers and they own their studios and they're pumping out content. Um, that it's it's getting harder and harder to do those types of movies. On the other side of that, uh, Joss Whedon, if we may go back to the topic of Joss Whedon, um, over the course of two days, invited all his actor friends over to his house and filmed a black and white version of Much Ado About Nothing yes. for nothing. Beautiful. Yeah, they filmed it for Did free. Did he tell them that he was doing and it? it it's, 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 yeah, and it was, it was great because everyone was in it just for the passion of the thing. And it was so popular with all the fans that they released it as a DVD. I, I purchased a copy. Um, yeah. And it was great. Um, just yeah, it's to great see. seeing. Um, it's great seeing Nathan Fillion, Nathan Fillion. Um, <laughs> as the police <laughs> playing a buffoon police yeah. inspector. <laughs> yeah. it was, it was it's great seeing Nathan Fillion play anything. anything. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he had a, a small cameo in in Big Bang Theory or something yeah. like my favorite episode. <laughs> See, I'm I'm a person who who gets into bizarre reading. I, I don't like reading fiction that's based on real life. I find that boring. I've seen enough of real life, and it just bores me to tears. <laughs> so I, I'd much rather, and especially not you know dreary sort of doing it tough sort of country living because that's what I grew up in. I want to escape when I get into fiction. I yeah. want to you know read sci-fi. I want to uh, read a magical fantasy or something, or um. I want to read a vampire story or, you know, the vampire hunter kind of thing. And whenever they do it, a bit of a Twilight fan, Pete, or no, no, (laughs) this is what my point was. Whenever they do it these days, they turn it into Twinkleville, you know, sparkly sparkly vampires, or they make it into almost the Van Helsing versions have become almost Mm -hmm. comedic, you know, in the kind of the almost comedy horror kind of thing. I'm not, I'm not a person who likes horror movies, just the Gorno kind of thing. Um, but I love the suspense and the and the kind of the darkness of um, the idea of werewolves and 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 that kind of thing. The Underworld series I I really liked and I thought would make a good TV show, but uh, obviously no one agrees with me there. So did you see um, uh, what we do in the shadows? I have not. Oh, that, oh, see, that's that's a combination of one of my favourite directors. We, we and could do the an idea entire of show on oh, that. Yeah. Hey, that's just, <laughs> That was one of my favourite movies. What I, oh, wait, series, the movie or the series? I haven't seen the series. Seen oh, the series watch but, the series. Well, because I loved the movie so much, um, and that mm. was sort of my first introduction. Um, Actually, I think to, the series like, is slightly more disappointing once you've watched the movie. Like that's, it, It's so but, good, and I was a Flight of the Concords fan oh, yeah. before Any, I yeah. saw it. So and They had that um, short with all the vampire ruling council come together. It was like stars. And it's just, yeah. it, it was done so well. Um, and, yeah, that was my first introduction to, to Taika. YTZ, and yeah. I can't bring myself to watch the series <laughs> for fear that it's just not going it's to live up. <laughs> no, nah, once you do, you will see emotional vampires everywhere. It's, uh, <laughs> it's beautiful. <laughs> so when someone takes an idea, though, they take an idea and, and run with it, that's a really cool idea. Like, so, for example, um, one thing I'd love to see made into movies, but I don't know how they do it, is Terry Pratchett's series on the Discworld. Because yes. he's taken this magical fantasy world he basically took the Mickey out of magical fantasy mm. when he started. He took a magical fantasy world where the world is flat and there there are cultists on it who believe the world is round and they're yeah. really silly and everything. So the, and magic works, but technology is done, you know, it's all done by magic. And so he kind of parodies our world. But then he in the series, he begins to write novels based in this world, which are a parody of our world. So he does one on opera. He does one on vampires. He Moving does one pictures. on 
moving pictures. Uh, so he does a whole lot of um, books about individual themes, and he does one on religion called Small Gods. And it's book. brilliant, the mm-hmm. absolutely brilliant analysis. He's an atheist himself, but he's actually quite respectful and interesting when he explores the ideas that we're talking about, moral ideas and different things. Um, and he personifies death. He has death as a character in all of his books. What's really intriguing about him is that it's very, very difficult to capture his humour and the few versions I've seen of attempting to make movies out of his books haven't done a great job of capturing the humour. But I think as a TV series they might be able to do it. Well, they did some uh, animated episodes for the series. Unfortunately, I think the strength of his writing is the use of his literary techniques, so simile and things like that. He's very descriptive and the humour is in the description, which doesn't come across visually. So I think if they were going to do it with a similar humour, they'd have to have a, uh, a strong narrator. Um, yeah, I have to series. say he's the only author that's ever made me wet myself laughing for 10 minutes over a footnote. Um, <laughs> yeah, he's hilarious. <laughs> he puts in a footnote and just laugh my head off. It's one of my guilty um, pleasures is a pull up in a, a Pratchett book and just start reading it. Yeah. What about other authors that you know that have just been magnificent and you'd love to see them in film? But we've got to admit uh, what Ben's just confessed there is similar to me. I'm scared when someone says they're going to do a particular series. You go, ah, please don't stuff it up. Please don't stuff it up. And the trouble is they mostly stuff them up. So what's something you'd love to see? What I was saying with with Halo, um, half the audience is going to think they stuffed it up and half the audience is going to love it Um, because everyone gets – no one reads a book the same way. Um, And everyone's got their own idea of what what makes Halo Halo. Exactly right. And and so trying to turn these these stories that we've read in books – um, into into movies or TV shows is incredibly. It all rides on the, on the guy who's writing the script. But see, that's and the, how he yep. interpreted the book. That's the beauty about yep. the first parts of Car- the Caribbean movie because you couldn't exactly say the ride was better, um, <laughs> right? That the movie was great, went off a great idea, and just had the whole story for it. But that is an example of taking things too far, though. Um, the, the parts of the Caribbean series, <laughs> well, <laughs> they went all over the place after yeah. the first movie. Yes, but yeah. It's yeah. a, that's a that's a changing a formula, which I think sometimes they do when they turn a, a book into a series. So the reason that the first part of the Caribbean was so good was it was Isn't a story you? about um, Will Turner and Elizabeth with Johnny Depp sort of around doing his thing. The and then it, it flipped. They went, oh, he's the popular one. We'll yeah. go with him. And he became the star. And it was just horrible. Right. Um, yeah. And I think they can do the same things with books. There's, there can be a character who's sort of not – the star of the book, but he's around and he's important. Um, and they just say, we're going to really play him up because people loved him Yep, and they ruin it. So some other series that I've looked at, my kids love watching the Rangers apprentice books. They're nice and wholesome. Yeah. They're quite, they're full of action. They're, you know, sort of vaguely medieval, no magic in it, but there's lots of bows and arrows and flawed fights and things. And they're kind of dragged out over a series. Uh, I'm just trying to think of other series. The Edding series are a bit too long, but they, they've got the kind of story arc which could be turned into something. Yeah, I enjoyed the Edding, uh, the Edding series, but I found after reading them that there are much better narratives out there. He's got a great style of storytelling, but in the end there was a, a lot of predictability to them as well. Yeah. But do, do you want uh, – like I, I know I love a series which keeps me guessing, but mm. do you want a series that's – that's um, always just trying to be a little bit different just for the sake of it? Yeah, no, not that. No. I, th- I think that's what happened with Game of Thrones. Mm. I've, I've not read Game of Thrones, but I loved the first four, maybe five seasons 
because you could never tell what was going to happen. Because could the original right. author. Yeah, but that's right. But like when he when he wrote it, it was so there was a, a realism to it that um that that I think is why it was so popular. Um, it's very you dark. never yeah. It's like yes, I love this character. He's the main character. Oh, he's dead now. Like that would never happen. It, like, yeah. Nobody read a Harry Potter book worrying that Harry Potter was going to die. Um. You knew, like you know, he's gonna he's gonna be there. It's sort of the Cohen brothers are really good at that as well. That sort of real life happens at the same time as this story. Um, yeah, but what the only thing that's not going to happen in Game of Thrones is something nice. Yes, um, <laughs> you know what I mean. That, I don't. I think it was a bit too predictable in the sense that he was always looking to shock you and horrify you. Well, that's and what I mean. It's after the same the with first, the Cohen brothers thing. After the first three or four seasons, you sort of like, all right, that guy's gonna die. Like yeah. You, so you're ready for it. Then it becomes you. It's, it's the old joke about George R. R. Martin, who's the author of that. Why? Why doesn't he use Twinner? Because he's killed all 144 characters. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, but this, in terms of the actual TV shows, uh, I mean, depends. I watch some TV shows just for to to relax. Mm-hmm. Like I, I watch The Expanse when I really want something interesting, exciting. But you know, I mean, you're talking about Community. You're not looking for cutting edge art when you're watching Community. Seriously. One of my favorite shows to put on at the end of the day is Seinfeld because it's just nothing and it's sort of background noise um, and it always makes me sort of giggle at the, the immature sort of just silly things that they were doing in the 90s. Um, but we don't really, I mean, I don't know, are there shows like that anymore that are sort of genuinely funny but they could just sort of be on? They're I, not. I enjoyed Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Um, yep. Yeah. Great series. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Similar sort of thing. It's My sort of, it's kids ridiculous have me and... watching Brooklyn Nine Nine, and it's just too much. He's too much. That uh, lead character see, is just. Oh. He, though, I think Andy, that might have been because of me, Peter. I'm sorry. <laughs> and, Andy Samberg, though, I was a big fan of his from The Lonely Island, which is the sort of parody uh, music group he belongs to that came out of Saturday Night Live, hmm. which yep is just. I mean, we started. Me and my friends started listening to that when we were about fifteen, sixteen which is exactly the age group it was, it's aimed at. Um, so right. I don't recommend to many of your listeners that they go check in them out. In terms of maturity, yes. Um, <laughs> but when you're already an Andy Samberg fan and you know him and you know that's what he's about and that's his humour, yep. um, when it first came on, it was probably the best thing to happen that year right. was, was seeing him on there. So, If I could bring it a little bit down in tone, um, or perhaps up, I should say, in tone, um, <laughs> I don't know if you've ever, any of you have read Louis Duvall's, um Lives of the Saints. Louis Duvall has written a whole series of Lives of the Saints, and what he does is he takes the known facts about those saints and then embellishes. He doesn't change the facts, but he he brings new characters in who are not actual characters and tells the story of the saint through these new characters' eyes. So, for example, um, the story of his Saint Ignatius is told through the eyes of a Swedish mercenary soldier who happens to be the one that fired the cannon um, which knocked his leg out in the battle, and then he gets the job of because he's upset his captain. He gets the job of having to transport him in the prisoner exchange. And it, he's a fictional character, but through his eyes, the entire story of Saint Ignatius unfolds, and he mm-hmm. begins as a cynical onlooker in becomes a kind of a, a respecter of Saint Ignatius. A very clever weaving of the storyline in these Louis de Vol books, and it, it brings alive a certain appreciation for the the genuine charism of the saint when you're not just hearing facts about their life you're, you're getting it in a fictional story i think one of the problems i have with um coming into the catholic church is that catholics when they present media about saints it's just boring it's this sort of schmaltzy everyone's uber holy kind of halo stuff 
And honestly, I couldn't even put my kids through it. It was just almost, <laughs> oh, oh, God, what's that? That is not even art. Whereas um, the lewd of old books actually has a, an artistry to it. And I, I wonder if there's not something like The Chosen. You know, The Chosen has demonstrated that it's possible to do a story about the Bible without sucking, without <laughs> being really bad. <laughs> Where Jesus uh, doesn't, uh, at the end of the movie, he doesn't come dressed in a suit and he's hugging children as they walk yeah, to school or something. Uh, <laughs> which, and also, <laughs> it's, it's good production values and there's good actors and they can actually act. There's a genuine, you know, professionalism in, in the presentation and they genuinely seem to get what's going in, on in the story. I have some problems with it, but it's pretty good comparatively. Well, if he, you could do that for Lives of the Saints, that would be amazing because the Saints' lives are amazing. I've forgotten the name of the director for The Chosen. Um but he, when when starting all this, when he sat down to write it, he met with a priest and a rabbi um, and some leaders from Protestant groups and spoke to them to find out about the story, to not just sort of assume his own understanding of it. Um, if we're talking about what needs to be made in a, in a Catholic sense, is um, the combination of proper Hollywood people and, and good actors and everything. Uh, with some people who actually know what they're talking about. Um, yes. I would take a guess and say a lot of what we have seen uh, in terms of Christian media has been Christian media people um, just doing what they think the message is and, and they're picking the important And to be points. honest, it, it sells us short um, in so many ways. I think the least attractive thing, especially for younger people, is when you've got schmaltzy, kind of cheesy, everyone's happy Christian thing. I, I'm going to get myself in trouble here, but I – watched about five minutes of Fireproof before I had to go and, <laughs> and deal with my nausea. Because um, it was so horrible yeah. and it was such a poor advertisement of what the church is saying about those and, things. And the fact that because we show them so in schmaltzy. schools, um, oh. like th th that's oh. a, that could be an entire RE class. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and even I remember in high school being probably one of three people in the entire year group uh, who was attending mass regularly. Uh, and even I was sitting there going, what is this? Why would anyone want to watch this? Um, and you look yes. around the room and half of them are literally asleep and the, the well-meaning RE teacher is just sort of dozing yep. off themselves. <laughs> Part of it's also that a lot of the uh, Catholic shows I've seen, they try to explain too much. And it becomes yes. really preachy. Um, and part yes. of it is in that mystery of, of us going out afterwards and creating those wiki fandoms going, oh, why did they do this? Yeah. You know, what yes. in the world is this? That's a good point, right? It, it needs to actually invite people to a conversation rather than tell them just a list of facts it, uh, yeah, or things like that. It needs to get them to the, to the openness stage mm. um, yeah. rather than the fully uh, initiated stage. Like it's and just here's a, the bit that's going to get me in trouble. <laughs> Sort of Here's self the bit that's going to get me in trouble. I think we we absolutely have to stop with the the kind of um, Anglo prudery of always having to look like we're absolutely proper in every presentation because that's part of the problem with the fireproof bunch is that they, everything was very very you know upright and you don't want to say a word in the in the in the show because it it might put all our audience off. Well. Here's, here's the thing. Most of life is full of people who are in gritty circumstances and they say some some things when they have a car accident, for example. Or they, <laughs> if someone has a car accident, oh, bother. No, okay, you've just lost Darn. your entire audience. Yeah. So you're no longer believable. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, you, and then we, we actually, I think, 
have to take a step back and realize that art portrays life to some extent and helps helps us to understand the reality of life and that when there's a gritty circumstance there's one movie i watched which was called um produce where hope grows um i watched it because my son has down syndrome and um it's about a young kid with down syndrome working in a supermarket but it's really gritty. It's done by a Christian uh, director and it's quite gritty because it's about a guy who's an alcoholic coming out of it and he's trying to make up with his, he's trying to, you know, win back his daughter as, a, as someone, you know, in his family. It's quite a gritty and hard story to watch, but it was much more effective than anything else I've seen uh, in that genre because it, because it was gritty, because it was hard. I, th- I think Christian media in particular and, and not showing those gritty things and those the ones we laughed at were the car accident you sort of say oh darn <laughs> um, they're taking away or they're assuming that the parents of children watching this won't be there to say we don't say that, or we don't do that so I remember um, my older siblings were big fans of Friends when I was a little kid and I wanted nothing more than to sit and watch it with them um, and I remember before I was allowed mum sort of pulled me aside and said there are things that happen in the show that we don't do. They're, they're right. doing it and it's fine and it'll be funny and all the rest of it, but it's not a good way to live your life or it's not how we want you to live your life. Um, now go and watch. There needs to be a responsibility of of the guardians and parents in these situations to say, we can watch this, we can enjoy it, we can look at that, but we're not going like, to... Yeah. You said that in a car accident, you're not going to say it around the house. So there has to be a balance though, doesn't there? Because uh, you can immerse yourself in these shows and it becomes the sort of the background to your life. I guess. Most of the kids I talk to these days, they're much more peer pressured by TV shows than they are by each other. Um, so having a balance, this is why I'd mentioned Louis Duvall and the others, you know, having a good balance of wholesome and healthy stuff and the other stuff is pretty good, pretty important. All right. Well, it's probably, we've, solve the world's problems in this area time to, to wrap this one up <laughs> thanks guys for coming along we probably should ask our audience what do you think is a tv show that should be made what are we what are we looking for in the world what's the big gap there but that's it for this week's podcast if today's discussion got you thinking or if you've got a good idea send it to us on twitter instagram facebook or discord or if you think we should talk about another kind of show we've missed it let us know too write us a review on itunes too Remember, this is a uniquely Australian Catholic podcast. We think that's an idea worth getting behind. So tell your friends. Shout out time. How about we start with Ben? Uh, mm, I wish you hadn't, but uh, my shout out um, is to all the all the people making movies who might not agree politically with what's currently happening in, po- in Hollywood and what might be the norm is keep going. Uh, keep writing your stuff and, and pitching it and, and getting to people because we need it made. So we do Beth uh, mine is to Mel Gibson and Jim Caviezel uh, for their kind of game changing work I guess with the, the passion of the Christ uh, I know it's a work that's changed so many people spiritually uh, and you know they kind of ruined themselves in the process but they did it for, for the greatest good so uh, mm. yeah Fox um, I want to do a shout out to all the Catholic creatives out there. Do not be afraid to work with each other. We, you're the people that we need to start to stand up and make this stuff. And if you don't work with each other out of fear or anything like that, it'll never get done. So um, have that courage. Yeah. I'm going to shout out to everyone who's made good art, whether you're Catholic or not or whoever you are, the ones we've, we've, who've inspired us, made us think and uh, brought us back to contemplation of life, the universe and everything. That's all for now. Thank you for listening to This Catholic Life.